Hello and welcome to Armchair Detectives Wanted. We are so excited that you have decided to join us. We hope you enjoyed our first episode. Did you make the right decision? We will all find out later. Remember, don't just listen, be involved. This is episode two, Who Killed My Mom? The Murder of Patricia Granger. A case from the UK. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Before we start, I will just issue a warning. This podcast may include content that some could find upsetting. It may also contain offensive language. As with all these cases, they are real life events. So please be aware that the crimes have had an impact on the family and friends of the victim. You probably want to know why this case has been chosen for our first unsolved episode. Well, I lived on the same estate as Patricia for the first 12 years of my life. My grandparents lived on the same street as her. I actually lived on the road adjacent to Patricia. I attended infant and junior school locally and I have fond childhood memories of the area. It was a thriving community with many extended families living within close proximity of each other. The area had a real family spirit. There was a local pub and a row of shops providing everything you needed. The majority of residents were hard-working people who strived to provide for their families. You would always see children playing in the street, and I remember the heat wave of 1976, when temperatures soared into the high 30s. As a child, I cannot recollect any tragic events, just the fun and laughter that childhood provides. I have nothing but fond memories of my first 12 years of life on the same housing estate where Patricia, unfortunately, died. This case relates to the murder of Patricia Granger on Sunday the 10th of August 1997. The location of her death was Parson Cross, Sheffield, England. At the time of her death, Patricia was just 25 years of age. She had her whole life ahead of her. Before we get any further into the case, we will provide some background information about Patricia's life. Patricia was born on the 13th of January, 1972. She would now be 51 years of age. She suffered from a learning disability, so her intellect appeared to be that of around a 10 to 12 year old child. She was a mother to her five-year-old son, Danny. Patricia was around five foot tall with dark hair and she was described as having a medium build. At the time that this case took place, she was living with her mother, Hermina, her stepfather, Roy Wright, and her son, Danny. They all lived on Buchanan Road, which is very close to the location where she was discovered. It was thought that Patricia had ADHD, however, this wasn't formally diagnosed. As we know, it is only over the last few years that ADHD has become more easily identifiable. Because of Patricia's learning disability, she was occasionally bullied throughout her life. People shouted at her and there are reports that she was assaulted in the street. Everyone that knew Patricia said she was a quiet person. She was friendly and trusting of people, a genuinely good person. 
On that fateful day, Patricia was discovered by a number of youths that were playing locally. They found her in Sheffield Lane Dyke. This is also known locally as Tongutta or The Brook. To give some context to the location, this is about one mile away from where Patricia was residing at the time. Access to the dyke can be gained via a path on Deerlins Avenue. It can also be accessed via High Green, Collie Road, Collie Drive, Holgate Road and Holgate Crescent, all of which give access to the dyke. There is a substantial cemetery that overlooks the area. Parson Cross is a large housing estate and some of the houses have their rear gardens overlooking the dyke. The area has dense vegetation including bushes and trees which surround the shallow stream in the valley. At the time of her discovery, Patricia's body had been covered by an old bed base with the intention, it appears, to stop anyone discovering her. She had suffered horrendous injuries. Patricia had been stabbed a number of times, which included a stab wound to the neck. She had also been sexually assaulted and her breasts and genital area had been mutilated. Patricia was found half naked and face down. It would have been a truly horrifying discovery for the children who found her and Patricia did not deserve to be murdered in this way. On Monday the 4th of August 1997, six days before she was discovered, Patricia's sister Sharon phoned Patricia's mother Hermina. They were both a little concerned that Pat had not returned home. It wasn't unusual for her to go missing. She would often be located with friends or her boyfriend, normally within a day or so. However, two days later, on Wednesday the 6th of August, Patricia's family were becoming concerned. She had now been missing for a few days. Sharon and Hermina had a further conversation about the fact Pat had not been seen. It was decided that Hermina would contact the police to have Pat formally recorded as a missing person. As any parents would, they began asking family and friends if they had seen Patricia. The family began searching the local area. However, all the inquiries they made failed to locate her. On Tuesday the 5th of August, the day prior to her being reported missing, a witness did report seeing Patricia, saying they saw her in the vicinity of the dyke. On Thursday the 7th of August, a different witness also confirmed they had seen Pat at the Northern General Hospital. This is located in Sheffield. This was the last definite sighting of her. CCTV was viewed at the hospital and it was confirmed the person the witness observed was definitely Patricia. At the time the CCTV showed she was speaking with an unknown male. So, in total there were two sightings of Patricia between the 4th and 6th of August one the day before she was reported missing and one the day after. There were also potential sightings of Patricia a few days later. At 7.45am on Saturday the 9th, a witness stated that they saw a female who they believed to be Patricia speaking with a male at the junction of Holgate Crescent and Holgate Road. The dyke is located near to this junction. The witness described the male 
as 5 foot 6 inches with dark gelled or greasy hair, approximately aged 30. This was the day before Patricia's body was discovered. On Sunday the 10th, a different witness stated they saw a male near the dike. This is the day Patricia's body was discovered. The witness stated the male appeared to be behaving oddly. In fact, the witness felt so uncomfortable she didn't want to walk past him. The witness produced an e-fit of the man she saw at the dike, a copy of which can be seen on our website www.armchairdetectiveswanted.com Later that day, the gruesome discovery of Patricia's half-naked body was found by an innocent group of children. She was lying face down in the dike. Her body had been covered by a divan bed base which appeared to have been used to conceal her body. Forensic scientists were called to the scene to investigate both the area and Patricia as they scoured for clues. Photographs and exhibits were recovered for examination. The police arranged for her body to be transported to the mortuary for a post-mortem examination. The autopsy report confirmed she had stab wounds to her body including one to the neck. One of her nipples had been cut off and the other one had been hacked at. Her vagina had also been mutilated with a knife. Patricia had been strangled and sexually assaulted. She had bruises on her face and body. Water was recovered from her lungs, suggesting she was still alive as she lay face down in the dike. These injuries are extreme and display a frenzied attack. There are few signs of Patricia fighting back and no real evidence of self-defence wounds. So she was either overpowered by her attacker or she didn't understand what was happening to her. Patricia's toxicology report confirmed at the time of her death she had not consumed any alcohol or drugs. It is believed Patricia had laid in the dike for around 20 hours prior to her discovery. A police investigation commenced and they tried to piece together her movements between Monday the 4th of August 1997 and Sunday the 10th of August 1997. Where was she? Who was she staying with? Who was looking after her and feeding her? Where was she sleeping at night? All these questions remain unanswered. The only sightings of Patricia between those dates are the ones that have been described earlier. That is a considerable amount of time to be missing. Why is it that there are so few sightings of her over that six day period? Where was she? In August 2012, fingernail scrapings that had been recovered from Patricia were forwarded to a forensic science laboratory for examination. The result was two partial DNA profiles. These partial profiles were identified as a male profile and a female profile. Unfortunately, a partial DNA result is insufficient to provide a positive identification to an individual. This means that a search of the DNA database is not possible. There is insufficient DNA to make a positive identification. What is interesting though, is that in 1997, two women and a man were arrested. 
they became suspects on the basis of the differing account they had provided. A number of inconsistencies were identified in the statements they gave to the police, so much so that all three were detained. However, further investigation failed to lead to any evidence implicating them in the murder. The three were released without any further action. It is known that a 45-year-old male was charged with Patricia's murder. However, while he was remanded to prison, awaiting trial, a vital witness withdrew their statement. He was released from prison and the case against him was terminated. In 2008, two males were arrested, one aged 51 and the other aged 59. Yet again, the police investigation faltered and the two were later released. As we speak today, this case still remains unresolved. A review of the case by police a few years later revealed that unfortunately, they had destroyed exhibits from the investigation. This included 33 items that belonged to Patricia and the divan base that was placed on top of her. The police force concerned had been criticised for destroying the exhibits. This has without doubt hindered the investigation. Any future advancements in scientific technology may now not benefit Patricia. It is devastating for the family. Her son Danny has been relentless in his efforts to pursue and identify the killer of his mother. He was only five years old when she died. He is now an adult and his priority is to find out what happened to his mother, Patricia. He needs to find answers. He needs closure. And more importantly, he needs to establish who is responsible. Unfortunately, Patricia's mother, Hermina, has since passed away. She has never seen justice for her daughter. Danny continues to highlight his mother's case with the optimism that one day he will get justice for Patricia. Now, it is over to you, the Armchair Detectives Wanted team. This is what we know so far. On Monday the 4th of August 1997, Patricia went missing from home. On Tuesday the 5th of August, a witness stated they saw Patricia not far from the dike. On Wednesday the 6th of August, Patricia was reported missing to the police. On Thursday the 7th of August, Patricia was seen by a witness at the Northern General Hospital and sightings were confirmed on CCTV. On Saturday the 9th of August, the day before Patricia was discovered, a witness stated they saw her talking to a male. The male was described as white, approximately 5 foot 6 tall and around 30 years of age with dark gelled or greasy hair. They were both at the junction of Holgate Road and Holgate Crescent. On Sunday the 10th of August, a witness observed a male by the dyke who she believed was behaving oddly and scared her. The witness produced an e-fit of the male, which can be seen on our website. On that same day, Patricia was discovered by a group of children. She lay face down in the dike and her body was covered by a bed base. The post-mortem revealed she had water in her lungs, indicating she continued to breathe and was still alive while laying face down in the stream. She was there for approximately 20 hours before her body was discovered. 
Patricia had stab wounds to both her body and neck. She had bruises into her face and body showing she had been beaten. She had been sexually assaulted and her body had been mutilated. One of her nipples had been removed and the other one hacked at. Her vagina had also been mutilated with a knife. We know this was a frenzied attack. Two partial DNA profiles were obtained from Patricia's fingernails. One is identified as a male profile and the second as a female profile. In 2014, police destroyed exhibits linking to Patricia's case. This included the bed base that covered Patricia and a further 33 items that belonged to her were also destroyed. And here's what we need to know. Where was Patricia between the 4th and 10th of August 1997? Where was she sleeping? Who was providing her with food? When Patricia had gone missing previously, where did she stay? Why was Patricia at the Northern General Hospital? Why was Pat speaking to a male? Who is the male she was speaking with on Sunday the 9th? Who is the person in the e-fit? Did anyone see the attacker? They must have been bloodstained. Did anyone see a person wearing clothing covered in blood? Does anyone recall washing clothing that was bloodstained? Where is the murder weapon? The weapon must have had blood on it. What made the vital witness withdraw their statement? This resulted in the male charged with her murder being released. Patricia was sexually assaulted. Is there potential for DNA enhancement? Patricia's handbag and contents have never been recovered. Where are they? Has the attacker kept possession of the bag and contents as a trophy? I have requested a copy of the bag and contents from her son. If and when we receive them, they will be made available to view at www.armchairdetectiveswanted.com What opportunity is there to enhance the male and female partial DNA profiles? Who do you think killed Patricia? Was it someone she knew? Was it a local person? Had she been held against her will? Why such ferocity in the attack? Was it a stranger who had killed before and gone on to kill again. And finally, is this a single attack or has the perpetrator killed before? There are a number of unsolved murders in South Yorkshire, but three show similarities. These include the unsolved cases of Wendy Gallagher, Dawn Shields and Michaela Haig. I don't intend to discuss these matters in detail here, but provide a brief summary that highlights some of the similarities. Wendy Gallagher was murdered in 1991 at her home address in Barnsley. At the time of her death, she lived alone. She was strangled with a piece of electric cord. Wendy was 25 years old at the time of her death. Dawn Shields was 19 years old when she was murdered in 1994. She was last seen entering a vehicle in Sheffield. On discovering her body at Mamto, she was naked and buried in a shallow grave covered with rocks. Her clothing has never been recovered. 
In 2001, Michaela Haig was 25 years old when she was murdered. She received 19 stab wounds to her neck and back. She was found in the open air in a quiet area away from the public, just like Patricia and Dawn. It is also noted that Michaela's parents lived on the same estate as Patricia Granger. Is this just a coincidence? This was a ferocious attack on Patricia, a defenceless female who was subjected to horrific injuries. Whoever committed this crime is a very dangerous person and they may still be at large. Someone knows who the killer is. Someone has that vital piece of information. Please forward your views and theories to our email address info at armchairdetectiveswanted.com Don't forget to go to our website www.armchairdetectiveswanted.com where you will find photos and further information about the case. Now it's time for week two of our scenario. You arrive outside the address. 64 to control. I can confirm I am present at the scene. Thank you 64. Keep us updated. As you pull up, you can see the neighbour stood outside the front of their house. A car quickly drives away from the scene. At the rear of the house, you see a shadow of a person jump over the rear garden wall. What will be your next action? Would you go straight to the property? Await other officers for backup? Go and speak with the neighbour? Run into the back garden to chase a person you have seen jump over the garden wall? Or pursue the vehicle you have seen drive away? Which option would you choose and why? Thank you for listening to Armchair Detectives Wanted. You are one of the team. Remember, don't just listen, be involved. We really would appreciate you recommending our podcast to others. We look forward to you joining us next week for episode three, The World's Most Wanted.